Hello, I'm Luke Campbell, and I work for a small wine company, and he's Luke Morris, and... I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing. <laughs> and together, we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk about all things wine and booze, and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. And for the final time this year, hello, Luke. <laughs> hello, Luke. Welcome back. Have we got an episode for you? This is season four, episode 14, a slightly Christmas-themed episode, as this will be our last episode for the year. Hello to the listening audience and welcome. What, what, what's what's Christmassy themed about it? Are we going to talk about uh, uh, mold wine? Are we going to talk about uh, reindeer juice? Did someone has anyone made a reindeer rosé? That sounds like a thing that should be a thing. It should be a thing. Yes. No. I was somewhat inspired and got me thinking about Christmas because I'm not filled with the Yuletide spirit just yet, but. Steve wrote in a question for today. Uh, Steve from Hall's Gap wrote in and he said, I've a young red wine which I want to drink at Christmas. What's the best plan of attack to get its best to get the best experience? Uh, and that got me thinking about Christmas. You you and I we've touched on mulled wine before. We have I think we I think we put the the, the myth to bed on it at one stage in one of the episodes the in a previous season. What's the myth? The, the myth was Mulled wine could be good, and I think we agreed that <laughs> it's a total and utter myth. <laughs> yeah, no, mul- I, I can't uh, get into it. But uh, mulled do. wines where shit wine, mulled wine is where shit wine goes to die, basically. Language yeah, warning, but, sangria. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's about as Christmas as we get. Boil it, addition- add as much spice to cover it up as possible. You know. <laughs> Like and the then fact that you might as well be having brandy. Just do that. Yeah, just straight to the brandy. I, I agree. Uh, and brandy. for the remainder of the episode, we've got a couple of other topics to get through, and that is the, the buzzword of natural fermentation. What is it? You and I will touch on that. Oh, um, yeah, look out. And the art of selling. I think um, this is a topic you and I have kind of been wrestling with for the last couple of weeks. And we will cover that. In fact, that might be where we start. Oh, okay. The art, the the art, of, art selling. of selling. I know this is clo- a topic close to your heart, Luke Morris. What, what have you got? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's close <laughs> to my heart. It can be really hard to justify opening a bottle of wine from the cellar on a Tuesday night when all you want is one glass. And that's why we've started Unbottled Wines. We're delivering seasonally curated ultra-premium wines from acclaimed Australian winemakers. These are wines that have never before seen the inside of a box, and may never again. Why a box? Because the box keeps wine fresh for up to 40 days after it's opened, unlike the bottle, which goes off after three or four. So if you would like to be able to drink exceptional wine one glass at a time, check out Unbottled Wines. Use the code VINIFIED at checkout and save 10%. Oh, no, I just work for a business that's, um, and I'm a very, very small cog in, in a large wheel. I am a, I am a nothing. But, uh, and, and it's just become more and more of um, hitting sales targets and sales numbers and sales percentages and sales blah, blah. And I just thought, I think I mentioned to you that it's just, 
I thought when I worked, I sold mine. It was because like I sold a good product, and that had a there was a story to it. There was some sort of reason that it was good. It wasn't just an invented line that had a percentage margin attached to it, and that you could sell the next number to reach a a a, a total for the day kind of thing. But I don't know. I just uh, I think I was just grumpy when I was talking to you, just saying. I, the, the world has changed, and I asked if how you feel about it. But I think you, um, you, you, you running your own small business, you, um, you get to choose to the way you approach selling things, as opposed to you know that what I have to do at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean th- that was why I had a very, you know, I had a very short-lived you know, five, six, almost seven years across retail, short to medium term. And I got out of it because I was, you know, I'm a classically trained sommelier and it is all about that story, Luke, and the, the passion behind it, whether they're a, a vigneron or a winemaker or, a, you know, just a dead set agriculturalist. I found myself not being for the numbers and wanting to convey that story and the, the, the story is what's still important to me. Selling, really, selling, selling's got to be a lot like, and you will relate to this. It's selling's got to be a lot like interpretive dance or improv comedy. It's a free flowing art form, but it requires some sort of tact and some sort of charisma. And if there, if that tact and charisma is purely based on numbers. Then you're pushing beep, uphill. Well, I'll give you an example. So I Please was do. just just before we logged on to do this, I was um uh I, I I run my part of the business different to the rest of the business, which makes me such a, a rebel game changer. So <laughs> they they send out a uh, suggested email that uh uh ninety nine percent of the the staff use and I'm the one percent that takes that email, reads it and thinks that can be improved. And I, I'd send out my individualized, personalized message to my customers. And but the the one that I just got was about selling a shadow nerf to pup. And it had a tasting note from um uh or suckling. James Suckling. Mm-hmm. Um and that was followed by a tasting note by one of the staff members, and that was followed by a tasting note by the person who wrote the email originally, and that was followed by the price. Mm. And I thought, and it was like, and look at this discount. And I was just thought, okay, you've told me, you've told me like a tasting note of three different people's opinions that it tastes good, and that it's discounted. But I don't. I I sort of want to know who the producer is. I want to know who the was there any wine making anything interesting in the wine making. I want to know more about it than just that. But I don't know if I'm just old. I'm old now, uh, or that people don't have time to invest in the story and they just want to know taste good, cheaper price, buy. You know, you know, yeah, you know. Well. I- yeah, I don't know. I, I think 
I find consumers, and wine is a consumable, and I'm as much as a consumer as you. I, I, I think, yeah, I think, and maybe my views out there as well, but I like to think a solid 70-80% of customers like to know where their consumables come from, whether that's art or coffee or wine. They want to know where that coffee farm is or they want to know where that you know, vineyard is, and that's all part of the story. And whether there is, whether it's been made by a female winemaker or whether it's been, you know, aged in great Hungarian oak or whatever it might be, I think Egg there is a concrete vats. Yes, using, I think using there is original indigenous grapes on a biodynamic vineyard, all that kind of stuff that I thought was yep. interesting was left out of the. I, I did because I did my own research. Oh, that was left out of the. The topic and i was like well isn't this isn't the family the fact that the family's been on the same land for 200 years something interesting <laughs> but, i think so uh, and, and, I, I, and i'm just talking about a narrow narrow market of customers and that and the broader customer doesn't give a rat's bum well i think if you're developing and expressing your own expect expertise you're authoritative tone and your know-how is therefore conveyed. How is it reflected in sales reports? (laughs) (laughs) This, this I think is why I have a gripe because people just, (laughs) people just say, Oh, look at these numbers. And I just think, yeah, but how does that convey quality or quality of service or quality of service is, is reflected in the, in the, margin percentage that the company made (laughs) it is a um yeah it it is a slippery slope once mcdonald's make the best burgers because they sell the most burgers yeah that's exactly right it's it's a slippery slope once you start selling anything by the numbers and you know case in point right there Mm -hmm. um mcdonald's make the best burgers i'm not so sure (laughs) hey Good call, the art of selling, and I think um, I think we're on the same page. You know, we are old school, but I it's just of... not entertaining listening, is it? Just two people agreeing that we're old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I am, I'm seeing this, and you know, you know how the wine world goes. There's buzzwords and there's buzzwords, but I am seeing it all over the shop. Natural fermentation. Oof. Natural fermentation. Oof. It used to be wild yeast. Yeah. At first it was unwooded, then it was wild yeast, and nowadays it's natural fermentation, Luke Morris. What is what exactly is natural fermentation? I'll, I'd almost say isn't it the same as, well, it's not wild yeast. Natural fermentation is just where you don't uh, inoculate. Well, you, you're not inoculating with yeast. So that's what you're using the wild yeast, and you're just letting the ferment take action on its own. I, I don't really know much more beyond that. I haven't, I haven't really delved into this. What, what do you know about it, Campbell? Yeah, well, I, exactly. I, I think it's just a big word for the age-old process of fermentation. Like, I, and I think you can. Well, so um, what, what we do? So let's so let's change the topic, or well, not change the topic, but change the way you define it. What what mm. is current? fermentation is uh, you would inoculate with a controlled yeast because um, 
uh, wild yeast can have all kinds of well, yeast can impart flavor profiles, so people do um, uh, like to control what the flavor of the wine is going to be like a little bit just to have some control over it just to make sure it's the best outcome possible so rather than have random wild yeast um you know potentially fuzzing up your wine you um you might use a Rhone valley yeast or something like that if uh, depending on what you're trying to make um and then you what you, you inoculate the, the fruit and then you plunge it and you you don't i've never really oh you might cool it down that's that's a step you might cool. Yep. You might um, if you you might run it through, or you might wrap. It, you might warm it up, wrap around blankets onto a tank, or you might cool it down by um, uh, putting it through, pumping it through a cooler, uh, or um, wrapping um, some sort of cold blanket around the um, vat. Um, yep. What else would you do? You you plunge it. You you let it ferment for a week. You you. It most most fermentation yeah. is is quite natural. I mean, natural. It's, like saying, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's like saying you know salt that's does is glucose free. It's like it, of course it is. What how how do you do, how do you make salt that has? Well, it's it's um, a little bit. Um, this is my gripe. Natural fermentation. It's a bit like calling your bank machines. ATMs because automatic <laughs> teller machine machines. The the second machine is superfluous. The natural here is superfluous. In fact, the the chemical process. The grape juice is loaded with natural sugars. A strain of yeast is added to that, and the yeast consumes the sugars. Hereby starting the fermentation. Fermentation is obviously extremely important process in winemaking. In fact, without it, wine can't be produced. So this is the thing. You see it written on bottles, natural fermentation process. Well, duh, the whole process of fermentation is natural, and this is my gripe. Is there, is there any, sure so that, is, is on the, when they say that, is there anything that they're saying they don't do? Or well, is, no, no. Like, surely you've seen this written they're not, on... They're not defining the goals of saying this is a natural fermentation because we didn't do something or we did do something. I don't... Well, I don't yeah. No, I, I don't think so. I think they're just trying to... Lean on the. Uh, this is the problem. Lean on that organic or biodynamic mold without really doing anything. You know, like <laughs> obviously the winemaker has temperature and the speed of fermentation at their hand because they can control that. As you astutely mentioned there, the strain of yeast. It, it can be uh, a great decision for the winemaker he or she to, to to make, and it's usually a highly personal choice whether they use natural yeast or slash wild yeast from their own vineyard or whether they use, like you said, a Rome Valley yeast or a, you know, a, whatever Burgundy yeast or that, might, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they might love. But the fermentation, when it happens, whether it happens in a stainless steel tank or, a, you know, terracotta egg or a, a wooden vat, it's generally natural, ladies and gentlemen. Like, shock horror, I it suppose is what they're trying a natural to say process. Is if we... Um... I suppose what they try, what I might be trying to say, that they're a smaller producer because if you're a big boy, you have, you know, you only have maybe less than a week, maybe a week between harvesting to to create space in your fermentation vessels. Vessels, so you need to make sure that that ferment runs through to dry within seven days, for argument's sake. Let's say that, and so 
you might speed that up by increasing the temperature, which makes the um, the molecules 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 yeah yeah that they all react faster and therefore the ferment runs a bit quicker. You can't have problems with that, but if you control it properly, you you don't really. Um, so uh, maybe they're trying to say that they you know they let it ferment for a month. And it took a month to go to dry, or it never actually made it to dry, or which is which is the story of champagne, because they, back in the day, they, it it didn't ferment to dry, and then they bottled it, and it warmed up, and secondary fermentation happened, and they got surprised. Um, <laughs> that's the history of champagne. That's how champagne came about. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so what, they're, they're saying that uh, they just let the ferment run its due course and it can just bubble away at whatever ambient temperature is within their winery, I guess? Yeah. Maybe? But it's a buzzword and it's been using all too much. It doesn't it's really either... mean anything for the wine. Not Hence the use of the word superfluous. <laughs> like you don't need to write it, ladies and gentlemen. The natural <laughs> fermentation process is turning grape juice into that yummy alcoholic beverage that we've all come to know and love over the journey. So it's exactly that. It's like that classic thing with milk where, where they had the, a while ago, they had the thing where they was like, oh, yeah, we've taken the, a1 strain out of the milk and we're not adding A1 strain or whatever it was. And yeah. like someone did a bit of research and found that that's, that's naturally in milk anyway. So it's like, you, you mean you're not adding more milk to milk? <laughs> Surprise. Like you, you're not really changing the product, but it sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, let's tell us something that we really need to know. And telling us that it's a natural fermentation is something we don't need to know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. moving on in our Christmas spirit, we're sounding a little bit like the Christmas Grinches, but we are, in fact, uh, not Christmas Grinches, ladies and gentlemen. And if you want to get in touch with us, because just like Steve has today, everyone can get in touch with us, whether they slide into our DMs or alternative Luke Morris, you can get into get in touch with us how. I just write it on your Christmas card list and Santa Claus will send us a note directly. It's that simple. Santa knows everything. So you just write it on your Christmas card wish list, your Christmas list, your Christmas wish list. And uh, yeah, then, then we'll get notified by Santa. Just, he just sends us a, an email directly. Which is uh, Luke's talk wine at gmail.com. And that's exactly what Steve has done. Steve, Did he contact Steve... Santa and then Santa sent us an email? I missed that email. Oh. No, he, he just Santa sent us an email. Me on those. Okay, cool. <laughs> he just sent us a direct email at Luke's talk wine at gmail.com. And Stephen from Hall's Gap writes Hall's Gap in the Grampian, Central Victoria, your stomping ground. He writes, I have a young wine in which I want to drink at Christmas. What's the best plan of attack to get the best experience? Time machine. Time machine. <laughs> Back to the future styles. Definitely the best plan of attack, yeah. And, uh, get a time machine. Write on your Santa's wish list as time machine, and Santa, if you've been good enough, Santa will deliver. I don't know how good you've been, Stephen, so maybe you're not been good enough to get a time machine this year. So failing a time machine... Um, decanter 
That's all. Do we, do we know what the wine is? Because it it could be it could be. He, 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 did, he just said he just said a young red wine. So I'm assuming you know Stephen has Both raised some capital. Because he just says a young red wine. I'm assuming it's something with a little bit more gusto. Um, you know, in that kind of primitivos Infandel, Cabernet Shiraz, oh. um, mold. So that's where, you know, I think he's gone on a capital raising expedition and come up with the funds to buy something special and he wants to just chow on down on Christmas Day. Yep. Um, I'm definitely in Luke's camp there. I, I would open the wine first before I do any decanting. I'd have a good slurp and I would just write down immediately what comes to mind, whether it's, black pastel or blackberries or plums or, you know, hot alcohol, whatever comes out, whatever the first thing that it reminds you of, Stephen, I would write that down and that would give me a bit of an indication of what then to do. Most young wines, I say most, benefit from a decanter. Obviously, if we're not talk if we're talking about Matus Rosé or we're talking about Beaujolais Ooh. Nouveau, they're not going to really benefit from any aeration. But Lukey's quite right. Just a little bit of a decanter, a little bit of a wine aerator into a decanter. Yeah, I was going to say, have you got, have you got some aerators, Campbell, just to flog on your site? Yes, actually, we do have wine aerators on our site, the Vinified Vino Airs. They are there. They're about 30-odd bucks, I think. Um, absolutely. But they, they work a treat for your young Cheap wines. Price and I say. Price. Yep. Less for cash, of course, cash. But um, we, uh, I think, we, me, I'm talking for me personally here, you know, I obviously love an older wine and bringing those out for family and friends around this time is a great idea. Not everybody likes older wine. So Steve, Stephen, he's gone the he's gone the good option. He's selected a young wine here. You know, it's fresh, it's vibrant, it's more than likely going to be fairly alcoholic. Everybody's going to be in the game there. So Stephen, you're going to have to be prepared to share. Um, I think I've told my little antidote here. Whenever there's a family function, if I pull the cork <laughs> on a wine and I really like it. I tell everybody else how crap it is and just put it to the side. And I say, oh, geez, yeah, I'm not really sure about this wine. And before you know it, I've drunk a bottle of wine and I haven't had to share any of it. <laughs> do, you, do you remember old mate? Oh, I can't remember his name, but he, we, I don't know if you worked with him or it was just a staff party that I was at. And he, um, he was sneaking off into the kitchen every now and then. And the next day... Uh, uh, the 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 person hosting the party found a bottle a half consumed bottle of um wild duck creek duck muck <laughs> slid down down next to the uh microwave and we had all we had all had some duck muck and we just sort of thought oh it's best been that that got polished off pretty quick but you know it would you know that would happen okay fine but there was he'd just been Hiding it next to a microwave in the <laughs> I had I was not where I was not aware of such act. I uh, I don't know if I was at that particular Christmas party. <laughs> but that um yes, it's that's the fact that he didn't finish it off. He just he just 
you know, those premium ones that get open late in the evening where you just yeah. sort of think, oh, I'll slide this to myself for later. I'll just nibble on it for the rest of the... <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think the best, the best trick here at Christmas is the, the Christmas hints for wine hints is open the good wine first, ladies and gentlemen, because that's inevitably what happens. You open the great wines later. And you don't remember them. Yeah, I was going to say, open, do, you, do you open up? Would you? Would you though get the? Would you have an appetizer, like a, a well, open a sparkling? Don't you open a sparkling or a um, or oh, I don't know something something as an appetizer, and then you then you you tuck into the main course, and then you have the uh, uh, dessert wine at the end, or the the yep. the, no, the, um, the ten buck chuck at the end to remind yourself to stop drinking. I am absolutely. In your wheelhouse there, I, I love nothing, you know, pre midday, nothing better than a, a good, dry, sparkling wine. <laughs> Elevensies, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's it's always loose on Christmas Day, so um, you've got your drunk aunt, uncles and your dancing aunties and all the craziness goes on. So just get something into them early, just to slow them down. You know, just um, does it slow them down? Ah, uh, because. Yeah, yeah, well, if you start them off early, you slow them down quicker and they're later in the day. <laughs> no, but that this just means they peak at about lunchtime. That's not what you want. <laughs> yeah, you want them peaking at lunchtime. Well, well, the, well, there's daylight, everybody's awake and around, and the kids are still paying attention. You, want, you, you get the inevitable carry-on out of the way early, Luke, and then you can gonna, all bat on into the evening. <laughs> I was going to say, don't you want to get them all excited and once they're in the Uber on the way home? So you get, That's somebody else's problem, mate. Can you drive this guy home? There's not a time to party! Like, yeah, party at your house, we've got to go to bed. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, let's open up something good. <laughs> exactly. No, there's lots of, lots of Christmas... Hints and tips, but uh, drink the good wine first. I'm agreeing, Luke. Open up something sparkling. Use then some get good into glassware. It. Use the good glassware. Do you, absolutely. Do you, do you put a stamp or something on your on the on the um uh? I was going to say stem. What's the what's the base of the glass? The base of the glass. Let's just call it the base of the glass. Yeah, probably. Do, just call do it you put the base a stamp on there so that you can uh, know which glass is yours when you put it down and pick it up. I generally. There's usually a few of us at Christmas Day. I just, you know, I just generally just give it a bit of a mark with a marker. Like, so if there's a sharp kicking around, like in, okay, uh, I just give it a mark. You know, so, some Isn't people that permanently. It doesn't permanently mark the, the glass. No, you just take it off if it doesn't if it does its job well enough for the day, and you haven't rubbed it off with um, water and wine and whatever. A bit of metho after all oh, okay. said and done, or just bring it straight off. Um, yes, and so you you pick a few people up, they're just grabbing any glasses, and you're like, ah, oh, that's mine. No, it's not. Mm. There's a black mark on the bottom that says it is. Oh, okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, but there's all types. Yeah, yeah, that's it. There's all types of things people do, but no, I just give it a bit of a bit of a flick with a marker that keeps me in check. I can always find my wine then. Yep. <laughs> you you don't then go around. Put an X on yours on a circle on everybody else's, so you know which one's not yours. <laughs> and this is well, confuse the rest. Of it's the funny. <laughs> it's funny you say that. So I told this exact same story last year, actually, to one of my cousins, and he did exactly the same thing. But then we were confusing each other with glasses all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
own. Can't you have your own mark? You get your. You're supposed to have your own stamp. What's well, the, I, when, the, I, when, I, when I can, when I conveyed that, I said, oh, I just put a mark on my glass. Everyone knows it's my glass. He thought to himself, in youthful exuberance, I'll just put a mark on my glass and then I'll find it. But what he didn't do was put a different mark. He put the same mark on his glass. <laughs> he wrote it down happens. Luke Campbell's glass <laughs> on his glass. <laughs> I was just keeping it very simple, one straight line. And Chris did exactly the same thing. No, very funny. Anyway, very, Christmas hints funny. with the two the two Lukes. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. It is Christmas. Everybody's either stressed or had too much to drink. Everybody is not in the same mind frame as they usually are. Just remember that. Take it easy on each other. Stephen, I really uh I hope we have answered your question there. I think for the best <laughs> experience, give it a decant. It doesn't need to be decanted for three days, just uh you know, after you've taken your initial notes, give it, you know, a couple of hours, pour it from a great height, taste it again before you're going to serve it to the masses and see how you go. Shake the decanter. Do you shake the decanter? What kind of decanter? Do you use a um, watering jug or something like that? No, well, I know you love, um, which you've given the tip out here, I know you love your, your science beaker. I actually just, you know, I'm usually at mum's house or my auntie's house. I just get one of the big old vases out. Yep. Stuff it in there. I do. I give it a little bit. I give it a little bit of, um, you know, shake it all about style. I, only because as a young wine, not that you want to bruise the fruit, but you want to help break down that alcohol pretty quickly by pouring it into a large vessel. So I did do give it a bit of agitation. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't do it if it was your 1979 Chateau Neuf de Pap, um, but you would do it if it was your, you know. What would you do if you had a 1979 Chateau Neuf de Pup? From, I'd do like, the same thing up until the decanting. I would open it and smell it and taste it. Yeah. And if it was still vibrant and, you know, fruit forward and alcoholic, oh, wow. I might decant some of it yep. uh, and just see what happens. Like literally, you know, a couple of cups worth, half a glass. Maybe thereabouts, and just see what happens because more than likely oxygen is going to be its enemy, as you well know. Oxygen is yeah. going to be its enemy of those older wines. So you just really want to probably want to open and consume them without exposing them to much oxygen at all. Yep, they've breathed enough in the bottle. You you would finish the day. I know, know you too well here, but. Correct me if I'm wrong. You would finish the day with a port or something. So would you decant that? <laughs> no, but that no, you don't have time at the end of the day to decant it. You, that's, you're only opening that because you want to get into it. You're not opening it because you want to uh, experience the nuances. <laughs> it's not a lot of it's not a lot of detail being done on um, the port at 11 p.m. So uh, uh, no, I. Uh, Crack open a half bottle of uh, 2003 Quintana Casto and uh, and just see what it tastes like. And if you're enjoying it, uh, it's a stubby holder. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you realise that you you should appreciate this tomorrow, you you put the cork back in it and you uh, you you uh, watch it. You, you have some for the first over of the day on Boxing Day. Fantastic. Well, I love it. I love it. It is. It is an idea. It's 
plenty of good ideas. Um, an ideas farm. Should we change this uh, show from Luke's Talk Reasoning to Ideas Farm? <laughs> we should. We should do that. What a good idea. But, <laughs> Lukey Morris, this um, brings our journey this year to a the ultimate conclusion, actually. It's been super fun being uh, doing another season this year with you. I've thoroughly enjoyed our repartee, mate. Uh, ditto. <laughs> I do want to wish the listening audience a, a very Merry Christmas on our behalf and thank you for all the support throughout the year. We'll draw the year to a close. There's plenty more in store next year. But Special thanks to touch... Ian, who I abused a few weeks ago. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And all while we're on that, all the questions that come in are via the Delivery Pigeon and or Santa Claus, however they get to us. But uh, thanks for your support. Thanks for your uh, follows and thanks for your hints and tips along the way. We love doing the podcast as much as you love listening. So over the Christmas period, uh, we will see you in the new year. Please give us a follow, share the podcast oh, over yeah. the if you, journey. If, if you're in Fremantle, come see me do a show. Uh, I'm at the old churchyard, I think. Uh, on a weekend, Fringe World. Check it out, Fringe World. In, it's like a, it's. I think it's. I think it's January. Uh, what is it? Sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, something like that. Excellent. So yeah. that's the if, third if week of January on the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If you're in WA, the Wine Brown Land, and catch Luke Morris. Are you doing the Wine Science Show? Or are you doing a new show? Nah, Wine Science Show. It's never been there. To the masses. So We'll do that, and then I'm actually going to do it in um, Adelaide, and then I just got booked for Melbourne, so I'll do it through the Melbourne Comedy Festival as well. Fantastic. And as all that's happening live, we will be just about due to be back online by then, but it's been swell, ladies and gentlemen. Please have a Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. Be safe, Luke Morris. Cheers. You too. Don't, and in the uh, words, yeah, oh yeah, go on. Do you think? And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Would you like to be smarter and do good in the world? Luke Morris here. I sold out shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with the Wine Science Show, and now that show is in book form. It's only fifteen dollars, and a hundred percent of profits go to charity. So donate and learn and laugh with the Wine Science Show book. Go to Luke Morris. Ha dot com.au or follow the link in the Luke's Talk Line Instagram bio.